0: volume 2 book 7 chapters 29 through 38 of the life of apollonius of tyana this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the life of apollonius of tyana by flavius philostratus translated by f c Coneybear. volume 2 book 7 chapter 29 And about dawn, a notary came from the royal court, and said, It is the emperor's orders, O Apollonius, that you should repair to his court at the time when the marketplace is full, not indeed as yet to make your defense, for he wants to see you, and find out who you are, and to talk with you alone. Apollonius said, And why do you trouble me with these details? Are you not, then, Apollonius? said the other. He said, Yes, by heaven, and of Tyana, too. Said the other, To whom, then, should I give this message? He replied, To those who will take me thither, for I suppose that I shall have to get out of this prison somehow. Replied the other, Orders have already been given to them, and I will come here in good time. And I only came to give you the message now, because the orders were issued late last night. Chapter 30 He accordingly went away. But Apollonius, after resting himself a little while on his bed, said, "Damis, I need sleep, for I have had a bad night trying to remember what Phraotes once told me. Said the other, Well, if you had to keep awake, you had much better have occupied yourself in preparing for so great an occasion as now is announced to you. Apollonius said, And how could I prepare myself, when I do not even know what questions he will ask of me? Damis said, then are you going to defend your life extempore? He replied, Yes, by heaven, for it is an extempore life that I have always led. But I want to tell you what I could remember of the conversation of Freyotes, for I think you will find it very profitable under the circumstances. Freyotes enjoined the tamers of lions not to strike them, for he said that they bear you a grudge if they are struck, but also not to flatter them, because that tends to make them proud and fierce but he advised them rather to stroke them with the hand at the same time that they threatened them as the best way of reducing them to obedience and docility well he made these remarks not really about lions for we were not interested about how to keep lions and wild beasts but he was really supplying a curb and rein for tyrants of such a kind as he thought would in practice keep them within the lines of good sense and moderation. Damis said, This story is indeed most apposite to the manners of tyrants. But there is also a story in Aesop about a certain lion who lived in a cave, and Aesop says that he was not sick, but only pretended to be so, and that he seized on other wild animals who went to visit him. And accordingly, the fox made the remark, What are we to do with him? FOR NO ONE EVER QUITS HIS RESIDENCE, NOR ARE ANY TRACKS TO BE SEEN OF HIS VISITORS GOING OUT AGAIN. AND Apollonius REMARKED, WELL, AS FOR MYSELF, I SHOULD HAVE REGARDED YOUR FOX AS A cleverer ANIMAL IF HE HAD GONE IN TO SEE THE LION, AND INSTEAD OF BEING CAUGHT, HAD ISSUED FROM THE CAVE SAFELY, AND LEFT CLEAR TRACKS BEHIND HIM. CHAPTER 31 AFTER MAKING THIS REMARK, HE TOOK A SHORT NAP, JUST ENOUGH TO CLOSE HIS EYES, And when day came, he offered his prayers to the sun as best he could in prison. And then he conversed with all who came up and asked him questions. And so, about the time when the market fills, a notary came, and ordered him to repair at once to the court, adding, Lest we should not get there in time for the summons into his presence. And Apollonius said, Let us go. And eagerly went forth. And on the way four bodyguards followed him, keeping at a greater distance from him than would an escort appointed merely to guard him and damis also followed in his train in some trepidation indeed but apparently plunged in thought now the eyes of all were turned upon apollonius for not only were they attracted by his dress and bearing but there was a godlike look in his eyes which struck them with astonishment and moreover the fact that he had come to rome to risk his life for his friends conciliated the good wishes even of those who were evilly disposed to him before when he halted at the palace and beheld the throng of those who were either being courted or were courting their superiors and heard the din of those who were passing in and out he remarked it seems to me o Damas, that this place resembles a bath for i see people outside hastening in and those within hastening out and some of them resemble people who have been thoroughly well washed and others those who have not been washed at all this saying is the inviolable property of apollonius and i wish it to be reserved to him and not ascribed to this man and that for it is so thoroughly and genuinely his that he has repeated it in one of his letters there he saw a very old man who was trying to get an appointment and in order to do so was groveling before the emperor and fawning upon him he said here is one o damis whom not even sophocles so far has been able to persuade to run away from a master who is raging mad damis said yes a master that we ourselves apollonius have chosen for our own for that is why we are standing here at such gates as these said the other it seems to me o damis that you imagine Aeacus to be warden of these gates, as he is said to be of the gates of Hades, for verily you look like a dead man. Damis said, Not dead yet, but shortly to be so. And Apollonius answered, O Damis, you do not seem to me to take very kindly to death, although you have been with me some time and have studied philosophy from your first youth. But I had imagined that you were prepared for it, and had also acquainted yourself with all the strategy and tactical resources that I have at my command. For just as men in battle, no matter how heavily armored they may be, require not merely pluck, but also a knowledge of tactics to interpret to them the right opportunities of battle, so also philosophers must wait for the right opportunities when to die, so that they may not be taken off their guard, nor like suicides rush into death, but may meet their enemies upon ground of their own good choosing. But that I made my choice well of a moment to die in, and found an occasion worthy of a philosopher, supposing anyone wants to kill him, I have both proved to others before whom I defended myself in your presence, and am tired of teaching yourself the same. Chapter 32 So far these matters, then. But when the emperor had leisure, having got rid of all his urgent affairs, to give an audience to our sage, the attendants, whose office it was, conducted him into the palace, without allowing Damas to follow him. And the emperor was wearing a wreath of green leaves, for he had just been offering a sacrifice to Athene in the hall of Adonis, and this hall was bright with baskets of flowers, such as the Syrians, at the time of the festival of Adonis, make up in his honor growing them under their very roofs. Though the emperor was engaged with his religious rites, he turned round and was so much struck by Apollonius's appearance that he said, O Aelian, it is a demon that you have introduced to me. But Apollonius, without losing his composure, made free to comment upon the emperor's words and said, As for myself, I imagined that Athene was your tutelary goddess, O sovereign, in the same way as she was Diomedes long ago in Troy. For she removed the mist which dulls the eyes of men from those of Diomede, and endows them with a faculty of distinguishing gods from men. But the goddess has not yet purged your eyes as she did his, my sovereign, yet it were well, if Athene did so, that you might behold her more clearly and not confuse mere men from the forms of demons. Said the emperor, And you, O philosopher, when did you have this mist cleared away from your eyes? Said he, long ago, and ever since I have been a philosopher. Said the emperor, how comes it, then, that you have come to regard as gods persons who are most hostile to myself? Said Apollonius, and what hostility is there between yourself and Iarchus, or Phraotes, both of them Indians, and the only human beings that I regard as gods and meriting such a title. Said the emperor, Don't try to put me off with Indians, but just tell me about your darling Nerva and his accomplices. Said Apollonius, Am I to plead his cause or. No, you shall not plead it, said the emperor, for he has been taken red-handed in guilt. But just prove to me, if you can that you are not yourself equally guilty as being privy to his designs, said Apollonius. If you would hear how far I am in his counsel and privy to his designs, please hear me, for why should I conceal the truth? Now the emperor imagined that he was going to hear Apollonius confess very important secrets, and that whatever transpired would conduce to the destruction of the persons in question. Chapter 33 but apollonius seeing him on tiptoe with expectation merely said for myself i know nerva to be the most moderate of men and the gentlest and the most devoted to yourself as well as a good ruler though he is so averse to meddling in high matters of state that he shrinks from office and as for his friends for i suppose you refer to rufus and orfitus these men also are discreet so far as i know and averse from wealth Somewhat sluggish to do all they lawfully may, while, as for revolution, they are the last people in the world either to plan it or to take part with another who should do so. But the emperor was inflamed with anger at what he heard, and said, Then you mean to say that I am guilty of slander in their cases, since you assert that they are good men, only sluggish, whom I have ascertained to be the vilest of mankind and usurpers of my throne? For I imagine that they too, if I put the question to them about you, Would in their turn deny that you were a wizard, and a hothead, and a braggart, and a miser, And that you looked down on the laws. And so it is, you accursed rascals, that you all hold together like thieves. But the accusation shall unmask everything, For I know, as well as if I had been present, and taken part in everything, All the oaths which you took, and the objects for which you took them, and when you did it, and what was your preliminary sacrifice? At all this, Apollonius did not even blench, but merely remarked, It is not creditable to you, O sovereign, nor is it congruous with a law, that you should either pretend to try a case affecting persons about whom you have already made up your mind, or should have made it up before ever you have tried them. But if you will have it so, permit me at once to begin and plead my defence you are prejudiced against me my sovereign and you do me a greater wrong than could any false informer for you take for granted before you hear them accusations which he only offers to prove the emperor said begin your defence at any point you like but i know very well where to draw the line and with what it is best to begin Chapter 34. From that moment he began to insult the sage by cutting off his beard and hair, and confining him among the vilest felons. And as regards his hair being shaved, Apollonius remarked, I had forgotten, O sovereign, that it was treasonable to wear long hair. And as regards his imprisonment in bounds, he remarked, If you think me a wizard, how will you ever fetter me? And if you fetter me, How can you say that I am a wizard? Replied the emperor. Yes, for I will not release you until you have turned into water, or some wild animal, or into a tree. Apollonius said, I will not turn into these things, even if I could. For I will not ever betray men who, in violation of all justice, stand in peril. And what I am, that I will remain but I am ready to endure all you can inflict upon my vile body until I have finished pleading the cause of these persons. Asked the emperor, And who is going to plead your cause? Apollonius replied, Time and the spirit of the gods, and the passion for wisdom which animates me. Chapter 35 Such was the prelude of his defense, which he made in private to Domitian as damis outlines it but some have out of malignity perverted the facts and say that he first made his defence and only then was imprisoned at the same time that he was also shorn and they have also forged a letter in the ionic dialect of tedious prolixity in which they pretend that apollonius went down on his knees to domitian and besought him to release him of his bonds now apollonius it is true wrote his testament in the ionic style of language but i never met with any letter of his composed in that dialect although i have come across a great many of them nor did i ever find any verbosity in any letter of the sages for they are laconically brief as if they had been unwound from the ferrule of a herald moreover he won his cause and quitted the court so how could he ever have been imprisoned after the verdict was given but i must defer to relate what happened in the law court i had best narrate first what ensued after he was shaved and what he said in his discourses for it is worthy of notice chapter thirty six for after the sage had been confined for two days in prison some one came to the prison and said that he had purchased the right to visit him and that he was come to advise him how to save his life this person then was a native of syracuse and was mind and mouthpiece of domitian and he had been suborned like the earlier one by him but he had a more plausible mission for whereas the first one beat about the bush this one took up his parable straight from what he saw before him and said heavens who would ever have thought of apollonius being thrown into james apollonius said the person who threw him for surely he would not have done so if he had not thought of it And who ever thought that his ambrosial locks could be cut off? Said Apollonius. I myself who wore them. And how can you endure it? Said the other. As a man well may bear it who is brought to this pass neither with nor without his will. And how can your leg endure the weight of the fetters? Said Apollonius. I don't know, for my mind is intent upon other matters. Said the other. And yet the mind must attend to what causes pain, said Apollonius. Not necessarily, for if you are a man like myself, your mind will either not feel the pain, or will order it to cease. And what is it that occupies your mind? Answered Apollonius, the necessity of not noticing such things. Then the other reverted to the matter of his locks, and led the conversation round to them again whereupon apollonius remarked it is lucky for you young man that you were not one of the achaeans long ago in troy for it seems to me that you would have raised a terrible hullabaloo over the locks of achilles when he cut them off in honor of patroclus supposing he really did so and you would at least have swooned at such a spectacle for if as you say you are full of pity for my locks which were all gray and frowsy what would you not have felt over those of achilles which were nicely curled and auburn the other of course had only made his remarks out of malice in order to see what would make apollonius wince and by heaven to see whether he would reproach his sovereign on account of his sufferings but he was so shut up by the answers he got that he said you have inured the royal displeasure on several grounds but in particular on those for which Nerva and his friends are being prosecuted, namely, of injuring the government. For certain informations have been conveyed to him about your words in Ionia, when you spoke of him in hostile and embittered tones. But they say that he attaches little importance to that matter, because his anger is whetted by the graver charges, and this, although the informer from whom he learnt these first charges is a very distinguished person of great reputation said apollonius a new sort of olympic winner is this you tell me of that pretends to win distinction by the weightiness of his slanders but i quite realize that he is euphrates who i know does everything against me which he can and these are far from being the worst injuries which he has done to me for hearing once on a time that i was about to visit the naked sages of ethiopia he set himself to poison their minds against me and if i had not seen through his malignant designs i should probably have gone away without even seeing their company the syracusan then much astonished at this remark said then you think it a much lesser thing to be traduced to the emperor than to forfeit your good repute in the eyes of the naked sages owing to the insinuations dropped against you by Euphrates? He said, Yes, by heaven, for I was going there as a learner, whereas I am come here with a mission to teach. And what are you going to teach? said the other. Said Apollonius, That I am a good and honorable man, a circumstance this of which the emperor is not yet aware. Said the other, but you can get out of your scrape if you only will teach him things which, if you had told him before you came here, you would never have been cast into prison. Now Apollonius understood that the Syracusan was trying to drive him into some such admission as the emperor had tried to get out of him, and that he imagined out of sheer weariness of his imprisonment he would tell some falsehood to the detriment of his friends, and accordingly he answered, My excellent friend, if I had been cast into prison for telling Domitian the truth, what would happen to me if I refrained from telling it? For he apparently regards truth as something to be punished without imprisonment, just as I regard falsehood. Chapter 37 The Syracusan, accordingly, was so much struck with the superiority of his philosophical talent, for after saying this he went away, that he promptly left the prison. But Apollonius, glancing at Damis, said, Do you understand this python? Said he, I understand that he has been suborned to trip you up. But what you mean by python, and what is the sense of such a name, I do not know. Apollonius replied, Python of Byzantium was, they say, a rhetor, skilful to persuade men to evil courses. He was sent in the interests of Philip, son of Amintas, on an embassy to the Hellens to urge their enslavement, and though he passed by other states, he was careful to go to Athens, just at a time when rhetoric most flourished there. And he told them that they did a great injury to Philip, and made a great mistake in trying to liberate the Hellenic nation. Python delivered these sentiments, as they say, with a flood of words, But no one, save Demosthenes of the Paeanian deme spoke to the contrary and checked his presumption. And he reckons it amongst his achievements that he bore the brunt of his attack unaided. Now, I would never call it an achievement that I refused to be drawn into the avowals which he wanted. Nevertheless, I said that he was employed on the same job as Python, because he has come here as a despot's hireling to tender me monstrous advice. Chapter 38. Damis says then that though Apollonius uttered many more discourses of the same kind, he was himself in despair of the situation, because he saw no way out of it except such as the gods have vouchsafed to some in answer to prayer when they were in even worse straits. But a little before midday he tells us that he said, O man of Tyana, for he took a special pleasure, it appears in being called by that name. What is to become of us? Why, what has become of us already, said Apollonius, and nothing more, for no one is going to kill us. Damas said, And who is so invulnerable as that? But will you ever be liberated? Said Apollonius, So far as it rests with the verdict of the court, I shall be set at liberty this day. But so far as depends upon my own will, now and here and with these words he took his leg out of the fetters and remarked to damis here is proof positive to you of my freedom so cheer up damis says that it was then for the first time that he really and truly understood the nature of apollonius to wit that it was divine and superhuman for without any sacrifice and how in prison could he have offered any And without a single prayer, without even a single word, he quietly laughed at the fetters, and then inserted his leg in them afresh, and behaved like a prisoner once more. End of Volume 2, Book 7, Chapters 29-38